Welcome to church, everybody. Such a blessing and a privilege to be gathered together and singing praises together and gather around the Word of God. There's nothing like it. Thank the Lord for the church, the people of God. So turn in your Bibles, got your Bibles with you, to the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at chapter 2. The book of Revelation, chapter 2. We'll read the scripture first, then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Revelation chapter 2, look at verse 18. It says, Unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I'll give unto every one of you according to your works. But, I say unto, but unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden but that which you have already. Hold fast till I come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's such a blessing, uh, Lord, and an honour, Lord, to be here, gathered around your word, singing these praises. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for your word. It's so sharp and true. And uh, Lord, we're thankful for your church, uh, the people of God, Heavenly Father, that uh, uh, we uh, can fellowship with and uh, Lord, encourage each other, and uh, such a blessing, Lord. So we do pray and uh, commit this service to you and the preaching of the word to you. Heavenly Father, be with my mouth, be with my mind, so I may uh, uh, project your word, uh, Heavenly Father, in all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So in this passage of Scripture, we have the Apostle John writing uh, to the church in Thyatira. So John had a direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself uh, to write things down. Thyatira was uh, one of seven local churches that John wrote to in the book of Revelation in the area of Asia Minor, which is now, uh, if you look at the map now, it's the uh, modern-day nation of Turkey. Asia Minor uh, was, had, had these seven churches in this area that uh, John wrote these letters to in the book of Revelation. We see there in verse 19 that the church... Uh, was commended for some things. They were commended for their charity. They were a loving, charitable people. Uh, we also see that they were commended for their service. Uh, they were serving people. We also see 
uh, that they'll commend it for their works, so they weren't lazy. They were always working for the Lord. They were uh, compassionate to the needy. These are all uh, commendable things. They had uh, commendable qualities in these areas. But we also see that our Saviour Jesus Christ had a few things uh, against this church, and this is what we're going to look at this morning. So the early church, they passed around all the letters uh, that were written to individual churches. Uh, some had issues in their churches that other churches didn't. And, uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, churches generally had uh, some issues. And uh, nonetheless, we can learn from every letter that's been passed around to the different churches. That's what we have for the most part in the New Testament of our Bibles is made up of letters uh, to individual churches. And uh, we as a church also need to take heed to the warning uh, and protect ourselves from falling into the same predicaments as some of these churches. So the Apostle John, he was given revelation uh, by Jesus Christ himself to write these letters to these, these seven early churches. And now we've got to remember that the church was instituted by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said that he would build his church. And now uh, the Apostle Peter, in Matthew chapter 16, he correctly answered the question that Jesus asked the disciples. The question being, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And uh, <coughs> in verse 16 he says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonas, for flesh and blood hath, uh, hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of the living God, is the rock. He's the rock upon which the church is built. Therefore, whatever Jesus says uh, to us in his word should cause us to listen and to take notice of what he says. He's the rock. He's also known as the uh, chief cornerstone of the church. The apostle Peter clearly knew what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 16 uh, when Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it because he wrote about it later. In 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 6 to 8, he says, Wherefore also is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and look at this, and a rock of offence, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. So when the chief cornerstone of the church says something, we as a local church of Jesus Christ uh, should listen to what he says. And uh, we've got to listen to what he says to, the letter, to, the, to these letters to the churches. So the Bible declares plainly that Jesus, being the rock or the chief cornerstone, He's also the, the head of the church. In Ephesians 1, verses 19 to 23, we read, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us would who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians 5.23 where it also says for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and he's the saviour of the body. So that we're the body, the, the body is the church and Jesus Christ is the head of the body. Colossians 1.18 says speaking about Jesus Christ and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead and in all things, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So if Christ is the head of the church, then what he says to the churches is very important. The way he wants the church to be set up is very important. The way in which the church should conduct themselves uh, is also very important. What Jesus told the ch tells the churches to repent from is important and what to take heed to. Now I say all this because in our passage today we have this woman called Jezebel causing havoc in this church that we see in Thyatira. Bible commentator Albert Barnes says about Jezebel, it is by no means probable that this was her real name but seems to have been given to her as expressive of her character and her influence. So if we want to look at the character and the influence of this Jezebel, Jezebel in more detail, it takes us back to the only Jezebel that we see uh, mentioned in the Bible, which is in the book of Kings in the Old Testament. So if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, and we will start at chapter 16, and we'll see a people can get themselves into a predicament where even a Jezebel uh, such as this can have so much influence over God's people and over his church and lead them astray. Jezebel, uh, she was the wife of Ahab, who was the king of Israel. And now uh, the problem starts with men. It starts with men not being the men that they're supposed to be and not fulfilling the role that God would have them to fulfill. So Ahab, he was a, he was a king that did not have a concern for the things of God, even though he had a, a prominent position. He was the king. And now uh, we read about Ahab in 1, King, 1 Kings uh, chapter 16, look at verse 30, and it says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him, and it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. See, the Zidonians were Baal worshippers. So he shouldn't have uh, married Jezebel. And... Uh, we see there that it says that Ahab was no different in walking in the sins of Jeroboam, who was the first king of the divided nation of Israel. See, after King David and then King Solomon, the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms. There was the kingdom in the north 
Then there was the kingdom in the south. And uh, the kingdom in the north uh, was re referred to as Israel, and Judah was in the south. And uh, each had their own king. And Jeroboam, the first king, had foolishly set up these two uh, golden calves in the northern kingdom of Israel as a substitute of the word, uh, sorry, as a substitute of worship, sorry, for his people. And uh, King Ahab, the husband of Jezebel, instead of pulling down these uh, golden calves, uh, he just continued leading the people astray and uh, continued with this substitute of, of worship and uh, just kept leading the people in this idolatry. In 1 Kings chapter 12, uh, we're going to see why these golden calves were set up by Jeroboam in the first place. See, Jeroboam, the first king of the, the northern kingdom, uh, it was told by the Lord that if he'd done things right and obeyed the commandments of the Lord, then the, then the Lord would bless his endeavours. But instead of trusting the Lord and doing things God's way, he, did, he decided to do things his own way. In 1 Kings chapter 12, 25 to 27, we read, then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Peniel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. This people, uh, this people turn again unto their lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. See, Rehoboam, similar name to Jeroboam, but different. He was a king in the south, and uh, the capital of the south was Jerusalem. And Jeroboam, he was the, the, in the kingdom, uh, the northern kingdom, which uh, the capital being Samaria. But the kingdom had been split because Israel had forsaken their, their Lord. But Jeroboam, he should have remembered. He should have remembered what the Lord had told him. The Lord had said, un, said to him through the prophet Ahijah that all would be fine if he just trusted the Lord and did what the Lord told him to do. But, and uh, look what the Lord said to him in chapter 11, verse 38. One, so in 1 Kings 11, 38, he says, And it shall be if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel unto thee. But instead, Jeroboam, he was worried about losing people, worried about losing people to Judah, the southern kingdom, so he compromised. Look at verse 28 of chapter 12, 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 28, whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go to, up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and he put the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi, but I want you to see something here. He even made certain things similar and familiar so the people would stay. Look at this. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month 
on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the, uh, unto the calves that he had made, and he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. So the problem is the practices of the people at this uh, time, even in Judah, were wrong as well. They, they had heavily compromised too. This is why the, the kingdom was split in the first place. And uh, so he shouldn't have copied what they were doing down there in Judah. You know, he should have just stuck with the commandments of the Lord. He should have just listened to what the Lord had told him. And uh, that's pretty much the problem that we have in a lot of our churches today. Churches are so worried about losing people that they compromise to keep the congregation. You know, they turn a blind eye to the ungodly practices uh, that ought to be called out. Fornication uh, throughout their youth is rampant. Idolatry of the world is rampant in the homes, the music that they listen to uh, is full of uh, fornication. Uh, the things they watch on TV, social media, TikTok and all the other abominable things uh, that, that's out there. You know, Christianity today is in a mess. It's in a mess and it ought not to be. You know, there are things that are familiar, you know, but it's so deceiving. So Jeroboam, he set up priests you know, he appointed days of worship and feasts and he even had an altar of sacrifice. You know, and the people were happy with that. You know, they claimed that they were worshipping God but as we've seen in reality they were worshipping two golden calves and not the God of the Bible. And Ahab comes along seven kings later and he should have been a good, good king. He should have been a good king before the Lord and got rid of these golden calves. But he didn't. He just continued along with it, along with the majority of the people. But Ahab went even further. He married this woman called Jezebel. Look at verse 32 of chapter 16. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So as if it hadn't been a light thing for Ahab to have, you know, had not, that it wasn't a light thing that he hadn't gotten rid of these two golden calves, but he really took it to the next level. He took it to the next level, you know, setting up this outright abomination. You know, nothing even hidden, uh, nothing deceptive. You know, he wasn't even hiding it. He just set up this altar for Baal and Baal worship. But Ahab had married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, who were worshippers of Baal. See, Baal, it was considered to be a god of fertility in which abominable sexual impure acts uh, and fornication uh, was rife amongst the Baal worshippers. And uh, 
Sacrifice, uh, even sacrificing their children to Baal was a practice. Now the Lord spoke, to the, uh, spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and he said about this, he, says they have, uh, uh, he said this about even Israel, his own people, he says, they have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings under Baal, he says, but which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. That's how far they went. So the first mention of Jezebel, uh, we read after Ahab had married her, uh, was that she started to kill all the prophets of the Lord. She started to kill them off in Israel. And, uh, you know, she would have killed all of them if it wasn't for a faithful man named Obadiah, you know, who he hid a hundred of these prophets of the Lord in a cave. And she would have, just, she would have killed the whole lot of them. But 1 Kings 18.4 it says, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. <coughs> so we see there that the first thing that Jezebel wants to do, he wants to get rid of the voice of God by killing all the Lord's prophets off. That's, that's the first thing that she does. And, uh, but the next thing she does, she sets up her own prophets of Baal which she did, 450 of them, 450 prophets of Baal. And the sad thing is, is that Ahab, who should have known better, the king of Israel, was so weak and pathetic that he let it do it. He let it do it. So the church in Thyatira, Thyatira had a similar problem. They had allowed this woman called Jezebel uh, to have a position in the church against the order of God. And that should never have happened. Look at verse 20 again of Revelation chapter 2. Jesus says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So the first thing there we see is that she called calls herself a prophetess. So a prophetess is, or a prophet, is someone that God calls, that God calls a prophet. No one calls himself a prophet. It's God that calls a prophet. And uh, there are too many self-professing prophets around these days. You know, especially uh, you know, these ones that say, you know, oh, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. You know, oh, the Lord told me to go here and the Lord told me to go there. And, uh, you know, the, the, the problem for the most part is they haven't even got the basics right. They haven't even, they're not even living for the Lord themselves and they're saying the Lord's telling me to go here and go there and they, they say they're getting direct revelation from the Lord. But I believe it's because they want to get some new revelation. New revelation. They're not, not happy with the old revelation. They don't like... Uh, the fact that God never changes and that his ways are always the same. Now, God's good, proper and holy ways are getting too boring for them. You know, they want to change it up a little. So God told me this and God told me that. You know, uh, we've just got to stick to this. Amen. We've got to stick to the Bible. We've got to get this right first. We see there that she was also teaching the church. She was in a position that God never ordained her to be in. 
Ahaz should never had married a woman of the Zidonians. He should never have done that. And the church in Thyatira should never have let a woman teach in the church. God had given that authority and responsibility to the men. That's the way he set it up. In 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 15, we read, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. In 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 2, we read, This is a true saying, If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behaviour, given to hospitality, apt to teach. But right back in the beginning, Eve should have consulted with Adam, you know, before she started talking to the snake. But Adam should have consulted the Lord when Eve told him about the snake. You know, Adam then might have been able to teach Eve about the snake, that he was really the devil. They both should have been doing what they were supposed to be do doing. God sets up things for a reason. He has a, has a certain order because he knows what works. And whatever God sets up works very well. So, just like Ahab, he should never have married anyone. Just, just like Ahab, he should, have ne he should never have married a woman of the Zazonians from bar-worshipping Zidonians. He should never have done that. So the Lord has told his people, Israel, not to have anything to do with idol-worshippers and their idolatry. You know, we were never meant to do anything out of the order of God. Whatever he orders is always good. And women were never ordained to teach in the church. That's the first problem in there in Thyatira. Not only was Je Jezebel teaching in the church, she was seducing the people to commit fornication and eat things sacrificed under idols. She was seductively turning the people away from God. The Jezebel spirit is still well and alive in churches today. She's, it's, it's alive and well in churches today. When I say well, I don't mean that's a good thing. I just mean that it's alive. But it's a little more subtle in our day. It's a little more subtle. She creeps in other ways. Jezebel's in the movies that people in the churches are watching. Fornication and sexual immorality in Hollywood movies is absolutely rampant. The people in the church are watching it. Jezebel is in all the popular modern music today. Even so-called Christian musicians copying the sensual seducting ways that Jezebel sings her songs. They even copy the way that she sings them. Now, some people may even be travelling to church listening to the radio, listening to Jezebel singing about fornication. It's more than just the lyrics. It's the slipping and the sliding and the seductive, breathy, way, breathy ways that you hear the, these love songs that are seducing people into fornication. And yet you've got Christian musicians today copying that. 
I want to sing the same way to our Lord. Since when should a Christian musician copy the way of Jezebel and the way that she sings to seduce people into fornication and change the words and sing it to God? That's an abomination. Jezebel is all through the advertising on the TV and on the internet. You heard the saying, sex sells. It might sell, but what they don't tell you is that sexual immorality and fornication kills. That's the bit they don't tell you. It's all through the major sporting events, from the attire they wear, through the advertising. It's right through everything in our day. Everything. So there are too many Ahabs leading churches today. They may have a wife, but they're also in bed with Jezebel. And that should never be the case in a church that claims Jesus Christ as the head of their church or the chief cornerstone. should never be. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. In Ahab, uh, in Ahab and Jezebel's day, uh, the Lord sent the prophet Elijah to Ahab to bring a famine on the land. And uh, look what Elijah said to Ahab. Now this was about three years later after Elijah had prophesied uh, the famine. But we'll look at verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou that he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, he said, I have not troubled, troubled Israel. He says, But thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the ch children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Now look what Elijah says here in verse 21. And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. We need Elijah here in our day. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, well then follow him. Are you going to follow Jezebel and her gods? Or are you going to follow the Lord? What he is saying is that you can't have both. It's either one or the other. Just because there's an altar set up that may resemble an altar unto the Lord, Jeroboam, seven kings before, he had set up one with some similarities. So it might appear similar to the one that was in Judah, which wasn't right anyway. But that was similar. It was to golden calves. It wasn't the real deal. How many churches today are in the same predicament? Halt between two opinions. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if it be Baal, well then follow him. 
Elijah then challenged Ahab and Jezebel and all the prophets of Baal. Look at verse 22. Then, Elijah, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullocks, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of uh, they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. And he said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's on a journey. Perhaps he even sleeps. And he must be awake. See, Baal really is no God at all. He's really no God at all. He's, he, he's, he's really the devil. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. And they cried aloud and cut themselves, in verse 28, after their manner with knives and lancets, till blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass, when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offerings of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar, in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. Now that's about this deep. <coughs> and he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people, look at this, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The, the Lord, he is the God. 
But I want you to see something here. Look at verse 37 again. Look at the heart of Elijah and the heart of the Lord here. The whole reason for doing this was for the reason that they, that they might be turned from their Baal worship and be turned back to the Lord. That's the whole reason for this. Anything that God does is for a good reason. God doesn't want people seduced by Jezebel into worshipping Baal. If Baal isn't even a real god. People are worshipping the devil. All these other gods are set up by the devil to get people away from worshipping Jesus Christ and the real God, which is the God of the Bible. In our passage today, we read our Saviour saying about Jezebel and the church at Thyatira, verse 21, Revelation 2, verse uh, 21, it says, And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. See, the Lord's merciful. He's merciful, and he always gives space for repentance. He wants people to turn back from following their wicked ways and to turn and to follow him. That's, that's the Lord's heart. And we saw that was the, even his desire through the prophet Elijah for Ahab and the people of Israel and even Jezebel, that she might turn from her wicked ways. Look at chapter 19, verse 1, 2. And Ahab... Because she didn't repent. Because look at this. Chapter 19, verse 1 to 2. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I, may not, if I, may, if I make not thy life as the life of them by tomorrow about this time. See, Elijah, he got rid of all the prophets of Baal and she got angry. She didn't repent. She got angry. And she says, let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life. Talking about Elijah as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Elijah then had a moment of fear and he fled for his life. He hid himself in a cave where the Lord uh, comforted, him, comfort, uh, comforted him and reassured him Know that it all's going to be all right. You know, but that's how fierce and, and vindictive Jezebel can be. You know, even a, a mighty man of God like Elijah, you know, a mighty man of God like him had a moment of fear here. But look, look what he says to the Lord in verse 14, 1 Kings 19, verse 14. This is when he was in the cave, he says, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Look at this. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou... Shalt thou excuse me, anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel Meholah, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. The Lord deals with things. He deals with things. He can see wickedness going on, 
and he, he knows all things and uh, we've got to let things just rest because the Lord, he will sort things out in the end and, and he ends up doing that. We'll see that later. But look at this, verse 18, he says, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which have not kissed him. Amen. See, Elijah thought he was the only one left. He thought they'd all just gone over to Baal worship. But there's always a faithful remnant who refused to bow the knee to Baal. There's always a faithful remnant. The Lord has his ways of dealing with those people that are halt between two opinions. He, he'll deal with them. You know, and those ones that just choose to remain in that predicament. But it, it never ends well. It does never end well. And uh, he'll eventually uh, let them eat the fruit of their own way. And we're going to see that later. But Jesus says, speaking to the church in Thyatira, in uh, chapter 2, verses 21, he says, And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. He says, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your work. So Albert Barnes, the commentator, says about this, he says, uh, if it is to be taken literally, it is in accordance with what is often uh, threatened in the scriptures, that children shall be visited with calamity for the sins of parents. And uh, with what often occurs, in fact, he says, that they do thus suffer. For it is no uncommon thing that whole families are made desolate on account of the sin and folly of the parents. If it is to be taken figure, fig, <coughs> excuse me, figuratively, he said, then it refers to those who had imbibed her doctrines and who of course would suffer in the punishment which would follow from the propagation of such, such doctrines. And uh, he says the reference in the word death here would seem to be uh, to some heavy judgment by plague, famine or sword uh, by which they would be cut off. And, uh, you know, it's a fearful thing to come under the judgment of the Lord. We're better off sticking uh, with what the Lord says instead of straying from his ways. But either way, there's a strong warning here to repent of the deeds committed by the luring in and seduction of Jezebel. And uh, God... He's going to be the judge. He's going to be the judge of all them that repent not of their deeds. Now we haven't got time to look at all that Jezebel, uh, Ahab's wife, did. But Jezebel, she was a, a, a cold-hearted, seductive uh, woman. You know, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 21, Jezebel um, had an innocent man, Naboth, killed just because Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard for his own herb garden. Ahab asked Naboth if he could buy it off him or, or exchange it you know, uh, for another one because it was nice and close to his own house. That's why he wanted it. And Naboth refused because it was inheritance. You know, He'd inherited this land and he wanted to pass this on to uh, his own children and all that sort of thing. And uh, it had been in the family for a long time. Ahab 
then went home when uh, Naboth refused and he, and he had you know, a bit of a cry about it. Jezebel then lined up some false accusers to accuse Naboth of blaspheming the king and blaspheming God, which he never did. Then he was stoned to death for it. This is what Jezebel did. Just so Ahab could have his little herb garden. Ahab was a weak man that should never have got involved with Jezebel. Should never have got involved with her. The end of Jezebel, Ahab's wife, wasn't a pretty ending either. It was a gruesome uh, ending, just as the Lord said it would be. She had time to repent. She had time to repent, but she didn't. So the Lord let her have her own way. In 2 Kings chapter 9, <coughs> excuse me, Ahab had died, and jo Joram, his son, was the king in Israel. And we read in verse 29, it says, And in the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, began Ahaziah to reign over Judah. So there's another king in Judah by this stage as well. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tied her head and looked out the window, you know, probably maybe trying to impress him in some way or get out of you know, her wicked ways because she maybe knew what was coming. And, Je and as Jehu entered into, in at the gate, she said, had Zimri peace? Who slew his master? And, and he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. And when he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, Go, see, now this cursed woman, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. And that's what was uh, predicted that would be would become of Jezebel, because she repented not. And the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field of the, in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, this is Jezebel. So the Lord takes it very seriously. When people like Jezebel lead God's people away into fornication and idolatry, the Lord hates it. He's jealous, because he's jealous of righteousness. The Zidonians, where Jezebel came from, thought nothing of fornication and sexual immorality and idolatry. That was a way of life for them. That was just a way of life. But God forbid if it ever becomes a way of life for the church of God, for believers in Jesus Christ, who hold Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, the head of their church. Let's steer away from the Jezebel spirit that is absolutely rampant in our world today. Amen. It's absolutely rampant and it's even creeping into the churches. And it's subtle. It's so subtle. But there's always a faithful remnant. Always. The Lord said to Elijah that there were 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal. 
And even in the church in Thyatira, there were faithful people who had not succumbed to the seduction of Jezebel. Revelation 2, 24. But unto you, I say, says our Saviour, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many have, as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I'll put upon you none other burden but that which you have already Hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works until the end, to him I'll give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers and even as I received of my father. And I'll give him the morning star and he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So our Lord Jesus there, he's speaking of the blessing for those that hold fast unto the end of being with him when he returns to rule and reign with him in the millennial kingdom. See, Jesus Christ our Saviour said that he's coming again. It may happen in our generation. It may happen in the next generation. But things are getting close. I mean, Jezebel today, wow. But the one thing that we are told to do as a church, as God's people, as believers in Jesus Christ, who are sacrificed and nailed to the cross, mocked, bruised, battered and killed, to save us from our sins. And he promised that he would save a repentant believer, someone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ, I believed his promises 11 years ago to save sinners. And I want to hold fast until the end. I want to take heed to what he says to the churches. If you're here today and don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, know this one thing, know this one thing is that you can know him as your Lord and Saviour. You can if you repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ who loved you, gave his life for you, took the punishment for you that you deserve upon himself on that cross. If you believe, repent, turn to Christ. He will save you. He promised. We've got to take heed to what the Spirit says unto the churches because we are a church as well. We're a church. And Jesus Christ, our Saviour, the one that gave us the very words of this book, he's the head. He's the chief cornerstone and we need to take heed to what he says. It's just the Bible. He that hath an ear. Every one of us has got an ear all of us here in this room. Let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Let's pray.